Welcome, everybody, to the Unnormalized Podcast. This is your host, Frankie A. And today I'm joined with um, a different type of guest that um, I have normally that comes on um, here at the Unnormalized Podcast. You know, I know a lot of the things that we talk about are pop culture and talking to guests from pop culture like music and entertainment and acting and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I also like to do, um, going to throw you guys a bunch of different uh, topics and segments that we do here at the Unnormalized podcast and one of them which is kind of near and dear to my heart is something that I'm going to be doing called life hacks and that's just talking to people um, who have some experience with life and are doing great things with life or maybe professionals in helping people in a service related um, kind of role out there um, helping people to navigate through this giant thing that we call life um, and also um, who have some experience with helping people navigate through challenges and all that kind of stuff that comes with life. Um, so today with me I have an awesome guest. Her name is Liz Hannafin and Liz is a um, an LSW and I'll let her explain what all those those letters are and and what they mean to us as as the general public that she serves so welcome liz to the unnormalized podcast well thank you for having me i'm really you know excited to be here um oh. yes yeah just tell so for people i mean i know what they are but tell people what an lsw is and what that kind of means well so i'm an l i'm an lcsw actually i'm a licensed clinical social worker gotcha and it's, you know, basically there's different types of psychotherapists out there. Um, I'm under the social work branch. Um, yay, yay. Yay, yeah. So, um, you know, I have, you know, I see people for, you know, counseling sessions weekly, every other week, you know, to kind of work on what, what feels like they need to dive into in their lives. So, gotcha. yes, that's what I do. So how did Liz get into this whole field of of um, therapy and and clinical social work um, by you know I, by now I think everybody knows that um, by trade I am a recovery support practitioner um, and I work in the same realm that Liz works in and the goal is to actually one day that's my path that I'm on. Um, to be exactly what Liz does and be an LSW, uh, LCSW. Um, so, like, how did you get into this whole huh. social work therapy field? <laughs> well, so funny. I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, a lot of us, there's kind of like a joke that a lot of people come into the field because they have a lot of their own issues. And in a way, that's true. But in a way, that's kind of the blessing provided that you work on it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think... Yeah, I kind of felt like for me, it was a calling, you know, yeah. I feel like, I, you know, like many of us out there, I grew up with, you know, kind of a lot of family issues, a lot of things that kind of, you know, life happens when you're making other plans. And, um, you know, I really started to identify with some of the emotional pain I was feeling, not really knowing what to do with it, and really started to kind of, you know, just kind of have a, I was searching for kind of how to resolve some of that and yeah. I really had a love for people um you know and just a lot of things that happened early on you know my family like a lot of losses you know you talk about recovery support you know a lot of addiction a lot of 
not knowing what to expect next. So there was a lot of, you know, tumultuousness. And I think, you know, I kind of tried my hand at a couple other things, but I always felt called to to work with other people. So I, um, after college, I had serendipitously, and I kind of believe that there's no accidents. Um, a friend of mine told me about a volunteer program and I applied. Um, and I did a year of volunteer service out in California, in Central California, um, actually working at a substance abuse clinic for teens, which was really, really amazing with gang members and everything else out there. And, um, you know, after that, I really felt like that was my calling. I really wanted to go to social work school. And um, yeah, so I came back east. I got another job for a little while in high school and I applied to social work school. And that was kind of where I, you know, my journey, the formal education began. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the growing is really um, experience and getting out there and doing my own personal growth work, which is something that I think is super, super important if you're really going to help people. So absolutely. And for people who don't know what my kind of, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, label, what a uh, recovery support practitioner is just a fancy um, term that we use for a peer support specialist. So I really identify with Liz when she says that um, a lot of the work that you do is, you know, where, where, you know, what Liz does is, is clinical, but um, coming from things from a real life perspective Um, I think lends a lot to the work that you do with people you get to open up some avenues and some windows and some doors that maybe you know uh, uh, somebody who doesn't have that life experience may not be able to tap into that person Um, so I love the fact that you um, identify somebody who's working on her own life journey and and things that are are issues and 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 working on your own life and also working with people in a a more clinical setting too, because I think that for the person that's sitting on the opposite end, if you've never had therapy or if you've had therapy um, before and you maybe feel like there wasn't a connection, when you sit with somebody with like Liz, who, who uses both of those, those tools, um, life experience and the clinical, I think it just lends to a greater level of service that you, the therapist Liz, lends to the person where when they walk out of that office with you after whatever time they're, they're with you, um, they come away with a, a different perspective of things um, and you can kind of give them like the best of both experiences um and i think for someone who's gone through various different forms of therapy i think that's where i i grew the most and and learned the most about myself and and things that i can do because i was connecting with my therapist not only as a therapist but somebody going through that same life journey um and it made me kind of want to open up a lot more um because that person had similar experiences you know everyone's journey is kind of it's very individualistic um and person-centered so when i think that we have somebody that we're kind of unraveling a lot of that stuff um when they can kind of say yeah you know i I, i've been there i've i identify with some of that experience and what that may look like for you um i think that it just 
opens up, it blossoms the relationship between the person who is seeking the therapy and the therapist. Right. Right. No, and I agree. And I think really what it is, I mean, and the way, even if I have the same experience sitting across from, you know, as a person sitting across from me, I really, you can't make any assumptions. You know, it's really about helping them get curious about what's going on inside them. You know what I mean? And I think Mm -hmm. unless I do that too and really get curious about what's going on in me, either in the session and just kind of my own process in life, which is not always graceful or fun, but it's kind of where it's at. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't really help them do that too. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So. Um, And so like, is there for somebody who's kind of butting into this whole um, therapist, social work field. I've I've only been in the field. I shouldn't say well only, but I've been in the field for about five years, and I'm still every day that I I go out into do what I do. I learn something at the end of the day in retrospect when I'm looking mm-hmm. at my day's work and and the people that I work with. Um, and is there anything like that? You know, because I know at you know we're we're supposed to like kind of separate ourselves from what's going on internally with ourselves. I mean, when they say you kind of leave home at home, this is like one of those jobs where you really have to, you know, do that, uh, where some other jobs you can probably get away with it a little bit. But in this in this field, you really have to kind of detach yourself because of what you're being exposed to from the person that's sitting across from you. Has has there ever been, Liz, something like in your in your time doing this where you really like it would kind of like was like a little overwhelming to process like how does one especially like if you were giving advice to me getting into the field um how do how do you kind of in that moment kind of detach those humanistic you know because part of being a human is we judge, we, we have our right. own thoughts, and, right. and it, it doesn't stop. But how does one, how does a good therapist kind of turn that off in the moment or realize it's going on and put that to the side? Well, I think you just have to, you know, try to be present and catch yourself. I mean, I think you also have to be human, too. Um, you know, I think... Um, I, you know, I try to be a straight shooter and pretty straightforward. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, hopefully I bring my best self. And if I don't or if I, you know, if it's sometimes it's those things that after the fact that I sit with that I kind of need to revise. Those are the things that I that stick with me or I mean, and, and sometimes there's just those tough cases that like sometimes I've worked with people that are terminally ill that I've known for a while. And that's mm. really like Dif- ugh, um, unbelievable. I mean, just. Like what a privilege, but to really see somebody through some of their life journey and then also see what they're going through. And this is just humbling. I mean, it's there's a lot of humbling, humbling stuff, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's so I learn incredible things about myself and them just by doing this. So, I mean, and, and work like that, I I. Anybody I run into who works with people who are terminally ill or like hospice or anything like that. I mean, I think, you know, what we what we do with people who are not in that situation is tough and demanding and can be taxing. But when you're dealing with a population who is terminally ill or in hospice, it takes a certain type of person Uh that I don't even think that 
you know, at this stage of the game that I would be in the right mindset to be able to take on those things because like you said it's it's something to see somebody's life journey while they're living and breathing Mm -hmm. but then to see them kind of in that journey and then come to the end of it and be be part of that I'm sure it's, I mean, I can only think about my own experiences with uh, a dear family member and we had hospice come in and, um, you know, I, at the end of it all, I kind of said to her, you know, we were talking and I said, you know, this is what I do for a living. And and she said, you know, like we were kind of like going, you know, just talking kind of like shop kind of sort of say. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't think that I would be able to handle the situation, um, as as present and as beautiful as she was able to right. present it to my family. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and she said, well, you know what? I don't think I could do what you do every it's day. It's so true. <laughs> totally true. It's amazing, right? It's yeah. So we're all called to do something a little different, you know, so for and, sure. And, and it's just something, like you said, to just, you know, circle back. You said, you know, this is like a life calling. Um, and, and, I, and you touched upon it, like for many of us, it is a um, something that we're drawn to um, yeah. in, in this field that and, – and, you know, there – there are probably, and with any field, there are probably people who are in it just for like a paycheck. Although mm-hmm. in this fields of social work, right. you're, you're not, not going to be a million yeah, a millionaire. Absolutely not, right? But but there are you can tell the difference when it's someone that's genuine and is really called to do what they do. Um, and I think that's where people get the most out of yeah. um, those type of of service related people who do what we do. Um, and you know, so you know, I I'm very intrigued about some of the um the approaches that you use in your therapeutic work with people so um i i know that you you kind of use like a trifecta approach so why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit more liz about what you do when someone comes like myself or anybody out there who comes in seeking your services what type of approach are you using with people that you're working with well so one of the main things that i kind of stumbled upon um more re- you know okay so there is a trifecta so the main one that i really love is called eternal family systems uh by dick schwartz and it it's uh, it's called part work and it really kind of goes with i mean i've done the work myself and actually in training for a lot of these modalities it's kind of crazy they really make you work do mm-hmm. your own work and sometimes in front of a group so the yeah. first time I did that, like, I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, so you really <laughs> learn how to, yeah. like, be, like, it's really vulnerable, but it's really amazing stuff. So, I mean, so I do, and I'll, I'll circle back to IFS or Internal Family Systems in a minute. I do that. I do EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is bilateral stimulation of the brain. Uh, it was developed by Francine Shapiro. They use it a lot with trauma. Um and I use something called integral breath work. I don't use that as often. I do workshops, um, but that's also like a type of breathing, which is more fast and full. And it helps to access, you know, kind of parts of us that we couldn't, we, we don't necessarily access. So sometimes it's like non-ordinary states of consciousness, repressed material, 
trauma, you know, stored things in the body that we couldn't necessarily get to. Yeah. Um, so and then but the real love is is IFS. And that is, you know, it's basically that we have if you ever ever seen the movie Inside Out by Pixar. Yes. It's like kind of how they have the little people, you know, in the mm-hmm. brain. Yep. It's like you have a lot of like so we all have something that's called a self, which is like the sun. Right. Self energy is like when we're kind of centered in the zone kind of all, if we ever have moments, like all is well in the world, right? So yeah. it's like the ideal is to be led from that place. But obviously, you know, life happens and we get wounded and we can't always stay in that state. And a lot of times, many times we can't stay there. And so what happens is, you know, parts of us kind of start to develop, you know, parts that are proactive or reactive. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if the self energy is the sun, the parts are like clouds that cover it. Right. Yeah. Um, and really what what it does is we kind of a lot of therapies like, look, you know, don't be anxious, you know, work on your anger, have that step back. What IFS does is it really has us get to know parts of ourselves, even the mm-hmm. ones that we might not seem to like, mm-hmm. like addiction, anything else and and have compassion for it and understand how it's actually trying to help us and sometimes by doing that we have more access to our center and we can start to heal things like some of the burdens that are underneath it and it's pretty far out i mean i have i mean for me it shifted my life like i still i still do the work but i feel like i've come home to myself in a way that i you know i you know it kind of blows me out of the water like Mm. it's just amazing so i I, I'm crazy about it. I feel like I love when I can help people do that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's like super cool. And, you know, just all of these things when really people can get some concrete relief or kind of come home to themselves or yeah. be empowered or heal things that they've been carrying. It's really amazing. Yeah. And I think you that's so, yeah. super important. Um, you know, a, a lot of Liz, the, in my journey in this in this field so thus far, um, I've worked with um, the majority of the time that I was working for was on like a pack team. Yeah. Um, so yeah. and for the people who don't know what a pack team is, mm-hmm. it's for it's those individuals with um, severely chronic uh, mental behavior health issues. We're talking about your schizophrenia, schizoaffective, um, the major personality disorders. Um, And these are people who have been in and out of hospitalization, institutionalized, have gone through tons of therapy and and done a lot of work. And maybe things are not clicking for, you know, as swiftly as some other people may. may. And um, I find that a lot of these people, Liz, don't do that work. Right. Um, there is that that level of surface of 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 what you were saying, like, well, you have anger issues, like let's let's focus on getting you over being angry right. ra- rather than let's kind of rewind the tape a little bit yeah. and go through those things that are affecting you from being or causing the anger so we can get to the root cause of it um, right. as uncomfortable as it may be. Um, but that's where the healing process begins. Um, and, and I love that. I love 
that whole um, kind of picture that you've put into hopefully the viewers that are listening mm. um, and watching um, and myself, that picture of the sun and then kind of everything underneath it. And that's where everything kind of comes from. And there are there are going to be times in life where it's not always bright and sunny out, you know. Yeah. There yeah. may be a lot of cloudy days, um, but it's how you kind of manage through those cloudy days and identifying what's causing that cloudiness. Right. Um, and and I, I love that whole picture. I mean, yeah. as it's you're not tra- unique, though. I wish I could take credit for it. Somebody told it to me in my, yeah. you know, one of my teachers. But <laughs> I mean, and I have to tell you, like those people that you worked with in the PAC team, I worked I work with people. I loved them. I, you know, look, you know, maybe many of us have mental health issues, different, oh, yeah. you know, a different spectrum. But some of those people are the real champions that yeah. get up every day, are hearing voices, mm-hmm. are battling to just like be okay and not feel tormented. Those people are like the real champions. I mean, yeah. truly, if I, you know, that's where I have to stay right size. Like mm-hmm. they have a heck of a lot to teach me. Yeah, Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like that Absolutely. is, yeah, it's amazing. I, so I, I have, yeah. I've actually done some really, you know, because it's one thing, like you, you, you said, like people who hear voices, oh. um, and we talk about that, like people talk about that, and 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 maybe not have a clear understanding what that is like for somebody um and i went through some training through the mental health association um called voices and what it was um was for a full day um you you walk around and you're sitting in a group setting um with other coworkers and people you know who are taking the course and you have a like an mp3 player on the whole day and you're hearing what it's like for someone who is experiencing like auditory hallucinations and you can't take it off um whether you go to the bathroom you take a break you go to for a lunch whatever um you have to keep it on and then they make you go through a series of tests like um filling out a job application watching a movie having a conversation just things that we take for granted Mm -hmm. and how that impacts people um and that's kind of what like i had that aha moment when i was working with people like we can say that okay what it's like to hear voices but unless you're experiencing it it's something that you probably really don't understand so um yeah the pack team um and and the people that i've worked with uh in in that pack model um basically bred me to who i am today they i learned i learned a lot more than from them than than they probably learned from me um which that's true i mean that's always the case i mean and i think we have to really be I think if you want to get in this field, you have to, I mean, people will say, well, does therapist, do therapists give advice? I mean, I don't look, I'm no expert on life. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of a tour guide to help people get to know what's going on inside themselves and to listen because you can't give advice. Like, how do I know what's, what's right for me is right for you. You know, it's Mm -hmm. really about like helping people navigate themselves. So, and, and like with the pact, you know, like, there's, it doesn't even have to be voices. Like that's a very huge challenge. Like just even chronic depression. There's so many things that are really, really people struggle with and you really just don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you just mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, we put on a brave face and we, 
you know, and social media and everything else. <laughs> you know, everything yeah. looks great on the outside, but, you know. On the inside and behind the scenes, outside yeah. of the, the computer screen, it can be something totally different going on. Yeah, um, totally. Talk to me a little bit about, and and I'm asking you because I've been hearing a lot more lately in the work that I do, this coming up with people who are seeking this type of therapy, mm-hmm. and that's the EMDR. Um, okay. So it, can you explain a little bit um, what that is like? Um, because... Like I said, it's 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 really kind of been prominent lately in the work that I do, right. and it was fascinating to me. But rather than me try to explain it, I would rather the professional um, sure. try well, to I, explain that. Plus, believe me, there's a lot more professional than me in this field. Um, but so EMDR is really what it's bilateral stimulation of the brain. So it's basically um, kind of the whole idea is when we get traumatized, we you know, I kind of like to think of the analogy that our our brain, it's like a record player that skips or gets stuck or, um, and what EMDR does is it kind of replicates what happens in REM sleep mm-hmm. and it helps us integrate and desensitize material um, and kind of pair logic uh, with an emotion. So sometimes, you know, when we're traumatized, like they talk about the small T, which is small, you know, smaller traumas. Mm-hmm. And then the larger, you know, bigger T traumas like 9-11. And we have all sorts of traumas on it. You know, a fall can be a trauma, you know, anything like car accident, all sorts of things. Um, but sometimes we can, it, it kind of can register in a distorted type of way mm-hmm. where we take on certain beliefs about ourselves. You know, um, I had had one where I had an accident that happened and I ended up, a part of me came up that I felt like, I really felt like I was a bad person and I don't typically feel that way about myself, but I actually went for some EMDR sessions myself and it helped me realize, you know, it kind of shifted that. Like I was Mm -hmm. able to see what happened from kind of like, it really wasn't all my, like it wasn't, it was an accident. It wasn't all my fault, but so it really helps you to kind of move through something because otherwise if we get stuck in a certain place, we end up taking that way of being on and moving forward in our lives that way. So, and it happens all the time, you know, I mean, so it it does help us move through it. Like I've even had some people from 9-11 more recently that haven't processed it for like 18 years Wow! because Mm -hmm. they just couldn't do it, you know, that were able to really come. The distress level went down considerably. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes when we delve into this kind of stuff, it is intense. It's painful, but it really to break through to the other side, it's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you 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 hit upon something else that um, resonated with me when you were talking with, and is that um, a lot of the work I do because it is peer driven driven and comes from um, at this point in my career more life experience rather than the clinical. The clinical stuff is I'm learning in the background, and then it lends to what I'm doing now. But of course, I can't utilize a lot of those tools because you know you have to be. A certified professional um but it's i i love to be able to uh and like you said i i come from the same um space where i tell people listen i am not the expert of you 
Right. Um, I am a, a, faci- a facilitator in trying to help you achieve the best that you can or, or where you w- are right now. And then we can worry about like later on down the road. But right mm-hmm. now, like you are the guy or or, or woman or um, however you identify yourself driving the ship. I'm the right. pilot and yep. I'm here to help you like your GPS system to help you kind of navigate <laughs> through some of that stuff. But I always have come from day one since I, you know, got into this as a peer and said, okay, um, you know, and learned what it is for my role is not to um, kind of um, implement my path and my journey into people's wellness and recovery, um, but to lend just the experience. And part of me, Liz, was always saying from early on, like, how can I tell somebody to try something mm-hmm. if Frankie hasn't tried it himself? Right. Um, so right. a lot of the things that I, I, I pull into the work what I do with people I either have tried before or maybe if I haven't tried it I'm like you know what let's try it together you know like so it's 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 you know and I may I may tell tell them it worked for me but it may not work for you but it was in the things that I was unwilling to probably try in the past that now that I am in a space where I'm more open to trying things Mm -hmm. and I've seen that, okay, once I try something that I totally probably would never have tried 10 years ago in there lies the solutions to a lot of the problems, or it's a a tool that I can put in my toolbox. um, And, and, you kind of see the people open up a little bit more to at least thinking about it. They may not try it or right. may not, you know, experience it, but they may be more open to being more willing to try different things in different avenues. So right. I, I personally have never tried EMDR, but having you explain it and, and that whole, the whole process of it is very intriguing to me. I mean, like we're not doing video here, guys, we're doing a a call, but if you could see me right now, like this is like, this stuff jazzes me up very much. So So, like, I'm very like engaged in my microphone right now and, and, and listening to Liz because, um, you know, going into this field is this, Liz is the type of person that I want to pull stuff from, um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and bring into my own, uh, um, kind of way that I would like to treat people and t- to hear something about this. I've been very fascinated with it and never really had a chance and opportunity for someone to explain it to me the way Liz has explained it. Um, and now I can understand it more. So when people are telling me, yeah, I'm working EMDR with my therapist, I have a better now understanding of the work that goes into it. Um, so when somebody is working through EMDR, um, and maybe having some residual kind of stuff that's kicking up, um, I have a better understanding of what they're working, the process that they're working through. Right. And oh, the one thing I didn't tell you about that, it's so it's eye movements too. It's kind of like a, you can use like a, uh, I don't know the right word for it. It's like a, it's like a, it looks like a pen or like a pointer to kind of have people move their eyes like what happens in REM sleep. Sometimes people use, like a TAC audio scan where you use like kind of sounds in each ear. You can use like buzzers and lights. And so 
those are some of the different ways that it stimulates the brain, by the way. So, sorry, oh, I forgot. That, I forgot. I'm like, I didn't do a good job explaining that. No, <laughs> so. you did a phenomenal job. And, and I'm, I very much love all the, for lack of a better term, the, the science behind right. mm-hmm. of it all, yeah. um, how the brain works and, yep. and all that kind of stuff and how the body works and the mind, the connection between the yep. mind and the body. I'm very fascinated with um, because a lot of the times we don't, we don't realize that there is that connection. So right. um, oh, right. how, how can yeah. you understand how to process all the mental stuff if you're not understanding, you know, and it, it, it can be very intense and intimidating for people, but I just love it. I love how, um, you know, we can make those connections through different things like REM sleep yep. and what we can benefit out of that um, into like a practice like EMDR. I, I find it totally fascinating. This is like, it's so, cool. Yeah, it's really like, cool. I mean, even parts, like they're doing a lot of research about like kind of making it evidence-based because everything's, sure. you know, they want to show proof of things. But even like with parts work, like if we can separate out a part of us that's doing something, like if I have a part that worries too much, and get to know that by actually kind of not being stuck in it and Mm -hmm. separating it out. There's actual brain changes that go on from that. So, you know, sometimes we underestimate the power of doing that kind of stuff, like by looking at it kind of from a distance and kind of looking, you know, so it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now let's, let's kind of shift things a little differently. So you, you mentioned that you do some, um, some breath work. Um, and I am, uh, recently probably within like the last six months got certified for mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, because I love all the mindfulness kind of tools that we can kind of teach people, um, that they can do independently um, on their own outside of like a therapeutic setting um, to kind of build in some new practices to help manage through symptoms or just having a tough day or, you know, just, just getting the body working and and in tune with the mind. Um, So talk to me a little bit about the breath work stuff that you, you do. Well, so the breath work, it's kind of more, um, it's not, as much like regular breathing. I mean, the breath work that I do is you lay on a mat. It's kind of um, an offshoot of like holotropic breath work from Stan Groff. And it's pretty intense. Like it, um, this kind of breath work is my friend's husband went and he described it as he said that he went for a breath work workshop and he said, I got more year. No, he said, I got more out of that three hours that I did 10 years out of therapy. So you can like this kind of fast and full breathing. It's you. It's pretty intense. Um, The way I do it is like you you use music, Um, you know, you can use music or not. But and and you kind of do like a fast and full breath. You can use the regular breath work like Carol Lampman was the one that designed this. Um, It's kind of like an up like you start with your breath at the, the bottom, like your tailbone, have it come up your back. And then like a circle, go down your front, like circular breathing, up the back, down the front, like a circle around you. Um, And what you do is you kind of increase the pace of that. You lay down, you have a sitter, you do it to music and you kind of get lost in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes like, I mean, it's one of my go to's. You kind of like kind of lose it a little bit like emotionally like you can really let go of like a lot of stuff it's intense but a lot of a lot of junk in the trunk a lot of junk (laughs) in the trunk I mean so you kind of you have a blindfold on it's 
you really kind of let yourself go. Mm-hmm. And we are so, I mean, I'll speak for myself. There's so many times I've felt so held back or so like, I don't breathe. I don't like, I keep so much in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we just let ourselves lose it a little bit, like let that stuff out. It's amazing. It just mm-hmm. really clears something. I mean, I, I have had some, I mean, look, you can't always say it's get like, you know, you'll get your money back if you don't get a certain result from this. But like it is, I had like a profound experience, like this crazy, like spiritual thing that happened to me after one of them. So I don't know, like something shifts. It, it kind of reaches a place that you can't really, you know, reach from just being intellectual or talking or so the breath yeah. is pretty amazing. That and, way. and we don't understand, like, you know, we before I kind of got into a lot of mindfulness stuff, yeah. um, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand when people said, with you know, we 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 throw that kind of catchphrase out there, like just breathe, right? And and you know, it kind of like okay, you know, whatever. It's yep. you know, I'm breathing. I breathe every day, you know. Right. But mindfulness breathing and really understanding the importance of the breath. Um, is like, was like, like life changing for me because, and I didn't like understand that because I tried so many different forms of meditation Mm -hmm. and a lot of them were, um, self, um, kind of done where you know like i tried apps i tried right. youtubes and all that right. and i'm like this shit does not work for me um because <laughs> my mind would go into right. a million totally. different places totally. and then i'm focusing on like okay am i doing it right i'm not doing it right Absolutely. i got thoughts coming but that's, you know and that's and by the way that's a part right that's an example of a part like mm-hmm. that's the part of you that's like observing yourself like oh am i doing this what is this? How do I sound right now? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like we have all that stuff, right? So yeah. that is keeping you out of just being centered. Yeah, exactly. So, and, yeah. and and it was, um, I had moved to Point Pleasant Beach and, um, you know, my wife, you know, goes to a gym and she met a, a, a woman and she was like, you have to, you know, my wife was talking about some stuff and she was like, well, why don't you come try, I go to this place and I'm going to give them a little plug. It's called Soulful Awakenings. Yeah. And um, she said, you know, come try some stuff. There's a bunch of different meditation techniques out there um, that you can try. And Uh, My wife went and she was like, Frankie, you know, like, I know you like to experience things and bring it back to people. Um, Why don't you come try this out? I did it. And it was like phenomenal. So there was two things that we kind of tried. The first one I went to is, is like I said, I couldn't do the self-guided meditation. Mm -hmm. So I went to guided meditation, which was phenomenal because it allowed me to kind of bring back the focus when it started to kind of wander. I was able to have something, a person's voice. Um, They used like fragrances and and different Mm. scents. Um, And that kind of brought me back to where I needed to be so I can get the most out of the meditation. And a lot of it was breathing work and teaching us how to breathe. And then the second thing that I went to, and I think we have this in common, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've, am totally obsessed with singing bowl meditation. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
I have to go at least once or twice a month. Um, I would like to go weekly, but the schedule just doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's not conducive to it. But amazing, amazing experience, yeah. uh, especially for somebody like myself that the mind goes in two seconds off yep. to a different place. The sound of the singing bowls shifts that back to where it needs to be to focus on the center. Um, and I, I love all that stuff. And I yep. love that you talk about how integral that breathing work is for people, like the fundamental, you know, right. what I mean? like we strip all that other stuff down and we get back, back to like the basics. Like yep. if your well, basics are not, in tune, like the more right. difficult stuff is going to be harder to deal with. It's really true. I mean, I think, and it's funny, I, there's different types of singing bowls and they're all pretty amazing. The ones that I use, which is interesting. Um, this woman, Jovita Wallace taught me who I used to go to her workshops years ago. They're the crystal ones. Okay. And those, which is cool. They do, you know what they actually do, which I learned they do, um, they affect your brain waves. So mm-hmm. they affect the, the, the alpha, beta, theta, and delta waves. So delta, if you kind of, sometimes during those, de- like those um, workshops, if you kind of go away, you feel like you went to sleep, but you didn't, that's like delta. And that's what like the monks and like all the people that have been pr- practicing for years and years and years with meditation want to hit. And, you know, that's what they strive for. So that's like delta. It's like really deep and healing. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the bowls are super cool because they affect I mean, my old supervisor used to call this out on the skinny branches, but this is not like <laughs> traditional social work. But, you know, it's more of like the energy systems of the body, which we are energy. And um, so it really kind of aligns that like the chakra systems and stuff. So it's yeah. it's really interesting stuff and it affects our brainwaves and, um, you know, it's deeply relaxing, um, you know, so it's clarity, concentration, kind of relaxation. And really balancing our the energy systems of the body like an orchestra, you know, yeah. like if it's out of tune, if it doesn't play together well, you're out of tune. And if you balance your, you know, you have a symphony. So, yeah, yes. I absolutely love that. Love that analogy. Um, yeah. 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 I actually also have um, small fiber neuropathy. So oh, wow. a lot of the times um, my feet and my hands um, are like numb. Wow. Um, but when I go to singing bowl meditation, it's. I know it's going to sound hokey, but like I can feel the nerve endings yep. and like the tingling and like it's just it's just like the chakras and, and yep. then and plus the physical stuff that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people out there, this is maybe some stuff that you may not be. But again, it goes back to what I say. If you have the willingness to try right. things that are maybe outside of the box, a lot of the times that's where you get the most out of of those experiences so i i just love how like the the approach that you take liz when you're working with people there's so many modalities that you can kind of fit in for people that you're working with um or use all of them you know what i mean like um i just love that that you have like all these different approaches um, that you can you can offer to people yeah, and sometimes I keep it kind of separate. Like, there's certain people I would not pull the singing bowls out with because sure. they probably would look at me sideways. But it's still very profound and very healing, you know? Like, yeah. so it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's I laugh because, you know, I've done it before myself. And I, I don't tend to have, like, I mean, I go to sleep and there's definitely healing, but some people have, like, colors and they're like, I'm, in, I'm inside the body of a moose or they're kind of like, 
you know, one person's like, is it normal to leave your body? And I'm like, how come I never have any of these cool experiences? <laughs> I've, I've actually had some of those experiences. Have you? Oh, yes, yes. Um, so cool. Not uh, the, the the woman that I go to, um, yeah. that my wife and I go to, um, it, like, you know, and I like afterwards when you're done, um, she passes around like a little light and people can share like their experiences um, because she does play all of those different Yep. crystal bowls she has like tons of different like minerals and and all yeah. that kind of stuff that they're you know big small like i mean it, it's 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 amazing um and the first like one or two times like i'm hearing these people talk about it and i'm like i didn't have that experience <laughs> you know i i'm not you know an eagle and and right. i'm not seeing colors <laughs> and all that and she you know um she said it i don't know if she was like in tune with me because i didn't say it out loud but she said when we were leaving how how was it and i was like well it was great it was a different experience i've never had it she goes you come three times and you're a bowler oh and that's so funny after the third time, talk to me about like your experiences. Awesome. So like, um, I got, I went a couple of times and the more that I kind of let my inhibitions go kind yep. of and yep. get into it really, um, that's when more of those experiences were happening. It actually didn't start until I went to, we went to a singing bowl, uh, meditation like we normally did do. And, um, it said it on the flyer or the Facebook invite, um, light, light language and singing bowl meditation. Oh, right. I've heard of light language. I had, language. I had no <laughs> idea what light language was. Right? It sounded right. really cool. Like, I'm like, oh, it's probably really like she's going to talk us through it and all that. <laughs> well, for people who have never done light language meditation, it is the person channeling energies and not spirits, but energies in the room. So it can, it, it, it can come off almost like the person is speaking in tongues. Right, right, right. That's what I've um, heard. Sound and clicks. Sounds strange, and, right. And, right. And, and, and that's when I had the experience. Really? At first I was like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> but then, like, you know, because you're there for, like, an yeah. hour or so. And, and I kind of just said, okay, Frankie, just let it, like, you know, just totally give, give into it totally. And the it was that experience that I had, like, like I walked away extremely emotional from it. Mm -hmm. um, and is where I felt the most, like like lift it like yeah, I went amazing. for like um like a like a tune-up you know yeah. um and and it was just that amazing experience so after that is where I said I really need to try these different things that people are experiencing yeah. um to keep themselves well um you know and tools you know I, I you know we hear and we talk about in our in our field like putting tools in the toolbox and right. and I, I find that that's very important for my own wellness um is just to put an arsenal of really great you know things that I can pull out of that toolbox I'm not a handy guy so I don't call yeah. it a toolbox I call it a backpack right. uh, so I can pull out of that backpack at any given time something that's going to shift the focus um, of of where I am and, and get me centered and present right. so I can, you know, not only in the work that I do, but for my family, for being a student, being, you know, an active member of society and all that kind of stuff. It just makes me more present and focused. So right. love yeah. 
Love all that stuff. I love all um, that stuff, too. You you mentioned your work in um, in the beginning, working with um, in the substance abuse um, kind of realm. Yeah. Are, are you still doing that work? Yeah, I work. I mean, you know, I I oh, what did I I did like a MICA program for a long okay. time. Okay. Awesome. And I work with a lot of people in recovery. So a lot of the 12 step programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another really amazing support network for people and obviously you know I feel like there's so many addictions um so many ways that I mean myself included we can't you know we have a hard time even just being present you know Mm -hmm. in this day and age so um yeah so uh, yeah I do a lot of work with people in in recovery uh trying to get into recovery family members affected you know all that stuff awesome Uh, yeah and the reason why I, I, I asked, I mean, uh, and for people who don't know, a lot of what Liz and I will hopefully, when I get down there, will be doing is a lot of the stuff that we and people that we work with, um, it goes kind of hand in hand uh, right. with uh, any, not just, you know, we talk about um, like co-occurring yeah. um, issues and we automatically think like substance abuse, but Liz touched on it. There are all different kinds of ways that someone can fall into addiction and unhealthy lifestyles, whether it be sex or gambling or food. Um, You know, we we kind of just tried to focus on substance abuse because it's such a a problematic issue in in our world right now. Um, And and the reason why I bring this up, Liz, is because the work that I'm doing now um, is strictly different than what I've I've been doing. I mean, like part of the, I, I always make joke. It's, not a joke. I shouldn't make light of it, but um, the prerequisite to be a recovery support practitioner is you have to have mental health um, recovery and substance abuse recovery. Right. So I say I say it's only the only job out there where you have to have something going <laughs> right. on up there and yeah. be a substance abuse user. Yep. There's not that many jobs that are out there that that is actually the like the qualification yeah. for well, the exactly. job. Right. Um, but um, I'm working now with specific, very specific population, and that's um, individuals who are um, opioid use disorder yeah. um, individuals, um, and they are incarcerated because of it. Right. Um, so it's a very, very specific um, kind of focus. Yeah. Um, and, and I love to talk to people who are working in the, or have experience working with individuals in substance abuse recovery. Yeah. Um, what, are, what, like, how has this whole, like, and you can tell me how it's uh, impacted your work, but how is this whole opiate crisis kind of impacting the work that you do with people? Well, I've, uh, you know, I think, uh, I don't, I mean, I do some work with opiates, opiate addicts for sure. I mean, it's, you know, I guess there's a lot with like prevention with kids starting Mm -hmm. to get into this and dabbling in it. Um, You know, I think I tend to see more alcoholic pot, um, you know, cocaine. I mean, well, that's kind of not true. I I do see a lot of people starting out on pills and graduating to the opiates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like the big problem. It's funny you mentioned I have a great friend who's just doing that kind of work. I mean, it's amazing um having been incarcerated and in recovery and now is in our field 
and is actually probably just starting out one of the most talented people that I know. So it's really amazing. Like if you do your own work and you get your own help and you really kind of commit yourself to ongoing treatment and regular work, you can be of service, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. but I do, I mean, I just, it's funny. I just ran a 5k and I'm surprised oh. I ran the whole thing for, bless, uh, bless, for the, soul. bless my soul. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, for, it was, you know, shatterproof for, um, people that died from, you know, opiate overdoses. So it was really, you know, unbelievable. I mean, I, I pretty much, I had an older brother that pretty much, uh, died from addiction as well. So, um, so I get how, you know, it rips up families. Yeah. Um, it's it's really rampant. And 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 they are starting to do things about managing. There was an orthopedist at this that managing how to manage pain without yeah. over prescribing some of the the opiates, you know, yep. so yep. the pills. Yep. yep. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah. I just, I just wanted to kind of get your take on it. I'm yeah. actually going to see a film. Um, I'm interview. I'm going to be interviewing um, uh, a, a gentleman, an actor named uh, Gary Pastore, who's in a new film that's coming out and it's kind of making going around on the circuit. Um, and it's called Shooting Heroin, wow. and it's, it's going to be at the Cranford Theater. I'm at theater. I'm actually going tomorrow. Oh wow. To see it. wow. Um, and uh, it's about the opiate crisis and how it kind of um, infests almost a small town in America and how the town and the families kind of revolt against the epidemic yeah. and, and what they're doing to try to like stop it from spreading into other small towns and towns across the country. So I, I being in the work now, um, I feel it's, I have to do my due diligence yes. to understand yep. that and what, how that it not only impacts the person, but you touched on it, how it impacts like the family and the community and yeah. all that kind of stuff that's tied together. So, um, oh, right. yeah. yeah. Um, what interesting, um, question that I have for you. Um, what are like your thoughts about, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy on this, but a lot of, um, movement is happening with, um, a lot of therapeutic, services moving towards like teletherapy right. in this age of like you know digital media and all that kind of yeah. stuff um what are your kind of thoughts about how that whole how thing well <clears throat> i don't know like i i kind of have mixed mm -hmm. you know if you there's a part of me that someday wants to uh relocate to someplace warm <laughs> and hopes that i could do hopes that i could do lots of tel teletherapy with my clients um but I think it's funny. I have a therapist myself that I work with who's an IFS trained, you know, therapist and she is in Chicago. We do tell, we don't do, we do phone, phone work. And yes. because of the nature of the work, I can do my own work without having to see her. It's really like an internal, it's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So teletherapy, I think in some cases it really depends, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think for like IFS, it's great. I think for like things like EMDR, I don't know how you would do that exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think you can, uh, I, it really depends. Like, I think if somebody's really in crisis, I would want them in front of me. Sure. Um, sure, sure. Oh, I yeah. think there's also like certain nuances that you get person to person or like a real connection. Like, there's something about that. But I think also, depending on the nature of the case and what's going on, it can also be useful. So it really is kind of like a, it really depends, 
you know, but I has think its, has its yeah, pros and cons. What'd you say? I said it has its pros and cons. It does. Yeah. So the jury's still out. Like, and of course there's all that I'm taking, uh, like a workshop on it in December, like to find out all the confidentiality and people can hack into it and all this stuff. So yeah, who knows, yeah. you know, but I, I like it and I do, I can actually, it's funny. Some people are like, Oh, you know, if I do like phone work with people, sometimes those sessions are really good believe mm-hmm. it or not. Like, and you're not even with somebody. So you know, it really, it just depends. But I, you know, if it was somebody who is more chronic or had some, uh, you know, real more mental health, serious mental health, I mean, I can't imagine doing telephone. That, like, yeah, that it, might be that hard too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. so I asked Liz um, to be kind of like my kind of guinea pig on this because I've never done it before with a guest. <laughs> but um, I reached out, like I put it out there um, that Liz was coming on and, and, and what she does and got, you know, asked Liz if she would take a couple questions from people who are following um, uh, the Unnormalized podcast either on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And I got some questions. So um, I'm just going to, you know, read them off to you, Liz. Yeah. And if you want to just give them your answers, I mean, that sure. would be great. Um, okay. So a lot of them, are they're, they're pretty interesting. And I have to say, they came in very fast. Right. With cool. mo- within moments of me posting it, How it fun. came in. I got, I was like, oh, okay. I don't know if anybody's going to respond to this, but right. people there's did. Some, there's something about the anonymous nature, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You right. know, and and so and you know, like a, a, somebody actually wrote to me that um, they've never gone to a therapist before, so oh. like maybe this is a way for them to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with yeah, how it kind of works. So right. um, the first one is from. Pollyann1976, and she said, I don't know, is it rare for a mother to lose custody because of a mental illness? And if this does happen, how can they ever move forward with this never-ending pain? Uh, wow. Um, hmm. I don't, I mean, the legal yeah. part of it is a little tricky, I think. Yeah, that has to be so profoundly. Yeah, that's really about meeting some of the grief and, mm-hmm. you know, the reality of like what's going on and making sure that you're taking taking care of like the treatment if you're having mental illness and getting the treatment that you need to to get as stable as possible. So I think and, you know, I think as much as this is like a big 12 step thing, as much as we can take responsibility, I think when systems are involved whether legal or otherwise we might say well they did this to me and of course you know we can feel victimized having a mental illness absolutely like that's a really painful situation but the more you can take the power back and say okay what what do i have control of what can i do right how do i stay as healthy and balanced as possible to do that first to get as stable as possible and then how do i meet the emotions of you know the loss Mm-hmm. And how do I stay in my kids' lives in whatever capacity that I can and be as consistent as possible to show that I love them? You know, yeah. whether it's like a card, whether it's like consistent, like, hey, I'm here. Yes. So there's been some issues, but I still love you and mm-hmm. I'm still here. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what comes to mind. Um, and my focus went to the latter part of the question because yeah. the legal stuff is not something that we have 
you know, much control of. Right. But the, the latter part of it, what struck me was the never ending pain of the loss. Uh, so um, which yeah. I think that you addressed, you know, perfectly, hopefully for Pollyanne, um, you know, and maybe she can so now cool. have yeah. a, a direction that she you can kind of utilize to help mm. her navigate through the process. Because when any time you said working with the system, legal system, whatever it is, yeah. like, Dyfus or Child Protective Services, Um, you know, it is a process and sometimes we're on their their path and their time and all that. And um, I think learning to cope with that, um, that it's kind of, you know, something that you have to give into that um, would hopefully be helpful. Right. And finding out what steps you need to take, because I know that they do want to reunify people as best Mm -hmm. as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, the next the next question comes from David Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I have PTSD issues from being in the military and uh, incarcerated several times. Now that I am out, I deal with thoughts, not sleeping, feeling depressed. How do I deal with it when it is a daily thing? Wow. Well, I think these are tough questions. Wow. Some people also have you stuff, right? No, exactly. I mean, I think that. If he could, I mean, he's probably got some, yeah, EMDR would be something that would be useful for him. Um, you know, I guess probably like a lot of, I mean, and this is not my area of expertise, but probably a lot of mindfulness and about like, how do you, you know, um, stay as grounded in the present moment as you can, you know, when you can, I think um, kind of, I always feel like if our body is under a lot of stress, how do we do physical activity to tire ourselves, you know, even like those, the apps are just just kind of different, like meditation to kind of calm our minds. Um, And then some, you know, sometimes it does call for some other outside help to kind of desensitize that because if he's having flashbacks, I mean, that is a real, you know, I I give the most respect and credit to people that have served in the military. And so some of those things that people have seen, you know, there is, you know, there needs to be some There's interventions tra- that can really, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, but you know, some basic, um, you know, basic kind of like grounding mindfulness meditation, like, but that's, those are kind of more the things to kind of calm yourself. But I think in his case, he needs a little bit more deep, um, like processing to help with the trauma. So Agreed, agreed. Yep. yep. Uh, our next question comes from Melanie Figueroa. Um, she says, what's the best way to get through codependency issues, especially in a marriage? Huh. Well, codependent. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'll let you know when I figure it out. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I just, you know, having grown up in a, in a, uh, a setting where there's a lot of you know, addiction, I get the whole codependency and the, you know, trying to, uh, uh, you know, fix things. So I think, you know, there's great programs like Al-Anon, there's CODA. Um, I think with that, the the most, look, make it a research project, learn as much as you can about codependency. Learn, I think a really big thing, um, is really how do we keep the focus on ourselves? You know, this is something that I try to practice in my daily life and I fail many times. Sure. Um, and I, but where I really get success is when I can put the focus on myself. You know, um, I had a client come in the other day who 
I just learned the most amazing things from clients. And he was saying that, you know, he's a young man. He's trying to, he's struggling with things that he was saying, you know, I, I want to ask myself the hard questions about the kind of life I want to live. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And it really got me thinking. And one of those hard questions is, you know, one of the, one of the hard questions I had is like, and this is for myself included. Do we spend more time focusing on other people, like assessing them, criticizing them, taking their inventory, or do we keep the focus on what we need to do and what we need to improve? And I think that's a really basic question, but that can really be telltale. Yeah, you know, it so be, it can be profound. It's huge. So the more we can say, okay, and what do I have control over? What what don't I? You yeah. know, what are the action steps? Like, if there's nothing else I have control of, like, you know, like the 12 steps, like working a, a 12 step program, you know, kind of, um, you know, staying in the moment, staying in the day. So those are some really, God, I mean, I think 12 step programs and, you know, there is like CODA and there's ACOA and AA or a ton of different ones. They are a really beautiful way of life. So um, she can avail herself of, you know, reading about it. Um, Pia Melody is amazing. They have, you can kind of listen online to some of her stuff about boundaries and codependence. Um, so it's really, and I find that this is a funny one because, you know, I tend to be codependent. You have to watch in this field, not being too, yeah, trying right. to fix everybody else. But the more blended we are with it, the more it's like, wait, what's that? Like, I don't really understand it because I'm in it so much. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So really it's about like self-care, keep the focus on yourself, you know? Yeah. So. Awesome. And yeah. uh, I got two more for you. Yeah. Um, we have Karen STU1010 who said, how do you determine how often you see a patient diagnosed with like a general anxiety disorder? Should it be weekly, biweekly, monthly? Also, two-part question, yeah. do you think it's beneficial to give your patients assignments to work on and go over with them to see if they are making any progress? So I tend to really defer so i'll defer to what my client thinks that they need mm -hmm. and then if they feel like some people are like and i really have them kind of go inside and say okay so what feels right for now and that can always change do you want to come weekly do you want to come you know i think starting out it's good to come weekly um and depending on how bad it is you know if that not bad that sounds so i mean i don't mean bad but like how bad they feel or how much support they need you can always um up it like twice a week if it's kind of more of a crisis it really depends it's a mm -hmm. it's kind of between each case like the client and the therapist like what they feel like they need so i defer to them and then i kind of weigh in based on the person that i'm assessing you know and i'll say hey this is what seems knowing your situation like the best in my experience the best fit right now mm -hmm. um and what was the other part of the question that uh, the other part was um oh homework right yeah homework. Yeah. Yep. i mean i i'm not a huge homework person i think it comes from a part of us that wants to feel like we can take concrete things and maybe fix something and i think it has its place absolutely but i also i i tend to work a little differently but just to kind of have people go inside and see what's going on with them now because i think homework can be more take people out of what emotionally is going on for them mm. and really getting to what some of the root of the stuff is. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they're still in parts of them. We can, you know, rather than kind of the meat, 
of what's going on. So yeah, and that's absolutely. Work- you know, I know some people want that. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and the work that that you're doing, you know, introspectively, probably, especially in the beginning stages and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm thinking putting on like my hat as uh, someone who's gone through therapy and yep. thinking back about like the initial stages where things were very raw and um, uh, hard for me to kind of car, car, uh, compartmentalize things right. um, that taking on like walking out of therapy and, and having to take on the extra task of doing homework about it right, right. Um, would have been like, Oh no, this is right. not working out. I mean, um, but, you know, but I also think there's a part that's kind of like, I'm curious. Okay. So tell me, tell me why that's important for you. Yeah. Like, tell me what, and I don't know. I mean, I mean that not at all from a judgmental place. It's like, mm-hmm. tell me what homework, how you feel like that will benefit. Like what, you know, sometimes people have parts of them that are like, I need to see something concrete. I need to yeah. know that I'm working. You know what I mean? And so then we work with that, you know. And yeah. so, like, if if I, you know, if we can come up with something together, absolutely. But I'm not like, I think earlier in my career, I do a lot more of that. But now I kind of am really able to work with somebody where they are. So, yeah. But, I mean, gotcha. I'm not I'm not opposed to it. It's just not usually what I do. So, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, the last question comes from, and I, I forgive me, Tony. I don't know if I'm going to mispronounce your last name. Um, Tony Agliata, um, who asked when I feel an anxiety attack coming on and nothing is bothering me. What can I do to prevent it from becoming a full blown panic attack? Ah, okay. So I think, um, Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I would be curious, like from a parts perspective, I would say, okay, so where am I feeling at my body? And this part of me that's like starting to amp up, what does it want me to know? Like what, what is it afraid is going to happen if it does not um, take this to fruition? Mm -hmm. I tend, I have my own little pet theory not always trust me there's not a one-size-fits-all with this but I tend to feel in my own personal and professional experience to some extent that sometimes anxiety is pushing down things we don't want to feel so I tend to think is there something that I haven't wanted to be with that is trying to force its way out against me pushing against it Mm -hmm. so there's that there's also like just do the breathing like You know, Mm -hmm. circular breathing, for instance, they say that if you do 10 minutes of circular breathing twice a day, it reduces anxiety or depression up to 82%. That's what I learned in the training. I mean, so if you can, a lot of times I know for myself, I'll be like, oh, I don't know if this works, whatever. You know, you have to just really practice it. You kind of ground yourself. You do the circular breathing 10 minutes. You kind of, you notice like two things in the room or three things that you hear, Mm -hmm. two, three things or two or three things that you feel two or three things that you um, feel here, see, you know, um, they also say you can, this is something I learned from EMDR, which is kind of cool. You can also make saliva in your mouth. Mm. Um, it's something that when we are under distress, our digestion goes offline. And if we begin to make saliva in our mouth, it, it kind of tells our body that we're out of the fight, flight, freeze. And, mm-hmm. 
that it kind of induces also a relaxation response. Wow. So that's just like a little trick that you can do. I know. Isn't that so cool? So mm-hmm. you can do that. You can do some of the mindfulness. So, but I think also that's why it's like, you know, I think tools are great, but I also think like sometimes it's such a case by case thing. Cause it's like, okay, what's going on with the person? What's, what's the bigger story here? You know, is it like, is there something medically going on? Mm. Is there something, I mean, you know, I had that whole thing with my family having Lyme and, you know, they had anxiety. So, you know, sometimes you got to make sure that there's no medical stuff, you know, um, you got to make sure, is it like trauma related? Is it like some, some people might need medication. Like, you know, it depends. It's, it's really like a case by case thing, but it's also just trying some of the breathing exercise, mindfulness, grounding. Um, yeah. So, and then is there, you know, is there anything going on beneath the surface yeah, that, that you're I'm, not really I'm kind of not really wanting to feel like mm-hmm. sometimes for me, like I know that I've been anxious and upset and really, you know, sometimes underneath it will be sadness. Sometimes it will be grief. So, and, uh, and, a, and a big yeah. part of it is what I tell people, especially people who, uh, you know, um, are experiencing severe like anxiety that, um, it's it has to do with like it may sound silly but with like the major sense you like your your basic senses like yes. touch taste um, sounds environments all that kind of stuff can be triggering to the anxiety yes. that maybe now that what you're saying Liz is that stuff that has been um, unaddressed that you're kind of stuffing down in those highly um, intense situations or environments that may not be conducive to like staying grounded and centered sometimes that in those moments in those environments that's where some of this stuff is going to kick up right so like how do you process that in that moment is where you have to do the work like because that's your body and i love i love 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 how you were talking about some of the medical stuff too um and i know your family has had some some experiences with like lyme disease and stuff like that um and um i know even from the you know stuff we don't think about the medical stuff um and and goes back to that mind and body connection that can be triggering and vice versa to each other. Um, you know, I learned in, in 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 working with somebody who was in the geriatric stages of life and um, talking to, um, you know, because again, I'm very fascinated by how all the biological works. So anytime I get myself uh, around someone like yourself or like a, a medical provider or something like that, I love to kind of like talk about things like that. And right had a person that um, had no, I had no, no idea that this would even happen, but the person was experiencing um, chronic um, um, urinary tract infection and did not know the doctor was telling me that that can induce psychosis. It can induce like anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So um, when Liz says, you know, you have to really address the things that are going on, physically with yourself that may not to say that it like Liz said it's not a one-size-fits-all but that may be the start of identifying what's going on I love telling people um my own experiences when stuff kind of starts to trigger like and it took me a while to kind of get the insight to understand it but like my what my body was telling me and like 
giving me signs. Um, I I tell people it's almost like a thermometer. Um, Like I can feel it starting at my toe tips and as it, you know, it literally raises like the mercury in a a thermometer where I can feel the, the heat rising, you know, and I said, you know, back in my early stages, I didn't identify with that and I didn't have the insight. So it would go from the toes to the top of my head pretty quickly um, and not understanding that my body was giving me signs like, hey, Frankie, something is is not working out here. You need to pay attention. We're giving you the signs and the signals. And now when I try, I tell people, try not to let it, you know, start where instead of it getting to the top of your head maybe you could you know stop it at your shoulders or or recognize it at your shoulders and eventually Mm -hmm. you know start to kind of ease it down where it doesn't get past your knees you know um so i love that whole body medical component to this whole thing um and so yeah people if if you're not going to your um your your medical providers i would yeah. urge you to kind of put that into the same like if you're running therapy yep. Yep. run it on a dual track where you're running your your therapy for mental health stuff and addressing issues in behavioral mental health or substance abuse yep. and then also run a parallel track um working with your medical providers um and and that even includes things like eye doctors and dentists because all that stuff can be triggering to completely hormones i've had people think that they were bipolar it was hormones i've had i mean and i've you know i've caught a couple cases. i mean they had you know my colleague had somebody that was getting shock treatments and it was one of the the co-infections of lyme disease so Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it's vitamin things. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. I mean, I think, unfortunately, we don't do enough of that. It's like cutting costs. But I think it's really checking out. And I will, you know, in some cases, I I will send people, refer them to medical professionals to get that checked Mm -hmm. just to make sure to rule out, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Because I think we'll assume that we're dealing with one thing and it's not necessarily that. So, yeah, yeah, it's Uh, really important stuff. Absolutely. Um, so, Liz, how can people connect to you and your services? I know you have an event that's coming up, yes. and I'm going to put it into this this episode so people get a little flyer. Okay. And if you're in Liz's area, maybe you can go check her out. Uh, I'm sure after this um Hearing this this episode, um, I hopefully hopefully it was insightful for people. I know it was for my own self in the work uh-huh. that I do and and my personal journey. So I hope people and I'm sure that they will connect to to you, Liz, and 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 want to learn or reach out to you. So how can some people kind of get to uh, get in contact with you sure. and, and maybe go to some of the events that you have coming up? Sure, I have. I mean, they can reach me. I have a website. It's Elizabeth. Uh, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H, Hannafin, H-A-N-I-F-I-N-L-C-S-W dot net. Um, and my phone number, 973-768-2160. I am in Nutley in Westfield. I have offices there. Um, and I am doing an event with the wonderful Vicki Mulligan, who does a lot of, um, she has an uh, organization, Rest Stop, Rejuvenate, which is all about using the arts in recovery. Um, Yeah. It's so you would actually, you should probably talk to her. She's pretty amazing. Um, We're doing a uh, breath work and bowls and workshop on the 7th of, uh, of December in Randolph at 
Yeah. So they can, you know, reach out to me if anybody's interested. Um, but yeah, so that's it. It's at a yoga studio. Um, BU Yoga and Wellness. Yes. Well, so. well, you may see a familiar face there. Okay, good. <laughs> good. I'll, have, I'll have to mark my calendar. Yes, and, it's and I'll, super great. I'll yes, put, yes. Not only will I put the flyer, I'll put a link to how you can get to the event and find out yep. more information. Yes. Um, so I, I, I encourage people. Um, even if you haven't, even if you're somebody who's a little opposed to therapy, maybe therapy is not for you, but you would be willing to try some of this new stuff out. Um, I, I, I urge you to try these things um, because regardless for what, even walking into the room, that's, that's half of the battle. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm sure if you stay for the five, 10 minutes, the whole full session, um, you're going to walk out of there with some type of benefit from it, um, even if it's a little piece. So um, definitely check Liz's uh, website out. Um, You'll see a list of services that she provides. um, And then check out the event that she's doing um, on the 7th in Randolph. And um, so Liz, I really, really appreciate that you came on today. And like I said in the beginning, you know, our, our podcast is a bunch of different things and um, a lot of it is pop culture driven but this is something that is I'm very passionate about obviously and something that I think speaking to somebody like you and hearing break down some of this stuff even our the questions that we got from our viewers which thank you guys for for reaching out um, I think it'll give people out there an insight into Maybe if they were thinking about seeing a therapist or um, getting into something that's going to help them um, create a better space for themselves, um, address some issues that are going on, get better in tune with the body and the mind. I I, I think this was a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. So Mm -hmm. I thank you for all your knowledge, all your personal experience. Um, It's it's a value to me. And I'm very appreciative that you came on and, and and, and educated us, um, you know, so I, I really appreciate having you on today. It was super fun and great and so great to connect with you. So, yeah, he- you know, don't hesitate. People can reach out if they have questions or, you awesome. know, also if you want to just delve into just the bowls or the breath work seems like it's a lot. I am doing uh, next the 20th. I'm going to do a yoga and the meditation, the singing bowls at the Woodridge Civic Center. Anna Gramlich is the yoga teacher. She's lovely. It's a very just kind of chill environment. So, and I'll be playing the bowls and it's by donation. So if you want to kind of dip your toe in that way, seven o'clock Woodridge Civic Center on the 20th. Awesome. Uh, yes. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So, well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much. Liz. It was such a pleasure. Absolutely. Yes. And everybody stay tuned. Uh, stick with me uh, up next. We're going to have uh, my first number one with a bullet spotlight artist, Zinn. We're going to be talking about her new EP and getting into the music game. So don't move, and we'll be right back with the Unnormalized podcast and our number one with a bullet featured artist, Zinn. And in the meantime, enjoy her single, Itch.
Welcome, everybody, to the Unnormalized Podcast. This is your host, Frankie A., and I have a great guest with me today. We're doing a new segment called Number One with the Bullet, which is featuring some great artists that um, I'm reaching out to that um, I found on social media. Um, I'm all about finding new artists. I love new music. Um, And this next guest I had to have on because she's very awesome, has a bright future ahead of her. So everybody, welcome Zin. Zin, welcome to the Unnormalized Podcast. Hello. And um, so she's a little nervous, guys, but I told her she has absolutely nothing to be nervous for because of the fact that her music is totally, totally, totally badass. And um, she's going to, like I said, have a bright future ahead of her. And um, so this is probably like I'm getting on the cusp of somebody who's going to be a big name in music someday. I I guarantee you that we will be airing this video when she does get really, really big and say, (laughs) I was like her first podcast interview. So, um, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So why don't you tell folks, because um, we want them, we want people to know who Zen is. So tell us a little bit about where you come from and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that is a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I am born and raised in Utah, so I'm definitely the most unnormal of the the school and the state (laughs) well that's what we we like it like that so (laughs) (laughs) yes i definitely did not fit in so i grew up around you know all the religious people super super lds which is not a problem just i am i am not so i am very much the complete opposite um that's kind of like the the best just I can give. Utah's a very quiet, very nothing state, not a whole lot to do here. So music was my 100%, my focus. It was what I love to do. I could do it alone. I could do it around people. And who doesn't love music no matter where you're from? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And um, so how did you, like, when was the first realization that music, you you had a gift in 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 music and and being musically inclined was it you know i mean you're fairly young how old are you i'm 21 so you're 21 so um when did you kind of say to yourselves in like hmm i have this something something is going on here um and there's a a pull for me to kind of get into the the whole music business well what mainly started it growing up was the influences that all the artists that i watched and followed had on me and how much i realized they you know convinced me or pushed me to do certain things or act a certain way or feel comfortable being me or not feeling comfortable being me and i realized that i was very very different and i wanted people to have an influence to follow that was super different my kind of different Sure. Um, and singing was something I always enjoyed growing up thoroughly. I think I sang before I talked. I hummed and just sang everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents were super supportive of it from the beginning. So all growing up, I heard them, you know, oh, you have a beautiful voice. I love it. You should sing. You should learn this. You should do this for me. Will you do this for my birthday? Will you sing? Will you learn a song? And I loved it as much as they loved hearing me. So I was like, if I feel like people need to hear my stories and need to have an influence like me, then I should go for it and I should do it if it's something that I also love and everybody else loves to hear. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I commend you because um, 
it's it's a really uh brave and courageous thing when a young person like yourself um, may not necessarily listen. I was not the fit in type of person either. So um, I think that that's where we get a lot of our best artists, um, not only in music, but just across, you know, artistry in general. Um, it's usually the people who are not fitting in and for lack of a better term, outcasts and uh, people who are not doing, who are living unnormalized lives um, that tend to give us that best um, quality of what people are looking for. And as a young person, um, I think it's a great message that you're sending out to people that you're trying to reach, especially younger generations now um, who need to hear that it's okay to not follow the beaten path and maybe not fit in with your general surroundings. And um, that's going to draw them to who's in the artist is. Um, so keep keep being unnormalized this shit, girl, because um, we want we want people like you, like you out there um, speaking the voice. You're a lot. A lot of the times when I speak to artists and especially in acting and in music, you guys are the truth tellers. You're the storytellers for the people who don't have like a voice. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so while it could be a big responsibility, I think you're able. You're up to the task um, of handling that. So um, take it on. You know, take the bull by its horns and 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 kick this world in its ass because that's what we need. And so, tell me about how this came from just um, you know, like the family kind of trying to you know say like you you have something here. Um, what made you decide in like this is something that I'm going to pursue as a professional career path rather than just you know. Be a normal 21-year-old, get a job, you know, and do the nine-to-five thing. And, you know, what 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 drove you to kind of saying to yourself, like, this is, I have to do this for a professional career? Um, well, you know, other than the, the everybody hates the nine-to-five, <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of, I think it honestly draws from the fact that I've always wanted to do what I feel like nobody else is doing and I always have to do everything the hard way. So if something seems hard, then I'm going to do it. To <laughs> <laughs> <Try> the club. <laughs> I mean, everybody with their lives, you know, they all have like something not basic, but you know, everybody can go to, to college for it and, you know, and get a job for it and mm -hmm. be decent at it. But you know, not everybody necessarily makes it to be a singer and so I want much more of an adventure I want to do something not everybody else gets to do you know something that also helps me travel you know like there's a lot more to the world than just paying bills and I think that there's a way to include all of the things that you love and still be able to pay bills and music includes you know me helping other people inspiring other people I get to travel I get to you know, express myself. I, it's kind of like the whole package and who doesn't want to go for the whole package. I don't want to sit here saying, what if I tried and I could have had it? What if, and so I'm just going to sit and I'm going to go for it. Cause if I have to have a nine to five while I work on music anyways, at least I'll be making music my whole life. At least I'll be doing something that I thoroughly enjoy instead of just 
doing something because I have to find a way to pay the bills. Absolutely. And take it from a 40-something-year-old guy who um, kind of could have went that route but took the more conventional route and that's a big reason why i do this show is so people can see that there is success when you um take a more unconventional unnormalized route in life and um follow your passions do not ever let it go um there will always be the nine to five jobs out there that help you pay your bills but uh take it from me um and 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 i only say this genuinely because i truly feel um that you have a true gift and um not a lot uh, i mean we're gonna post some of zin's music um in post-production to this um this episode so you guys can take a you know a look at or hear what she's all about and Zin, the only I mean not to make a comparison because I think I think your music is very unique um, and it doesn't really fit in one genre or the other but um, I was listening to your music it's in my playlist now um, your whole oh, entire yes. your whole entire EP is in my playlist which um, why don't you tell them a little bit about the EP what it's called and all that kind of stuff what 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 went into making this EP for you so the EP has five songs on it and it's named Itch, which is one of the songs in the EP. So and um, I got to do a few, I got to take a few fun approaches to it because this is the first time I've ever made an album. I've ever made music. The first time I was ever in a studio. The first time I wrote music. I have um, an auditorial processing disorder. So trying to find a way to understand to write music and try to learn that was really hard for me so I never bothered to try to pursue that too much growing up I just stuck to voice lessons and techniques so when it came to this EP this was the first time I sat down and someone told me to write a song and put all my feelings out and all my words so I actually only really helped co-write two of them and itch is one of them um, great song, great song. It's actually one of my favorite, not just because it's the title of the EP, but um, it's one that I kind of hit repeat on over and over when I'm in my commute driving in my car. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people can relate to it. I kind of wrote Itch to be about how when you get used to things going wrong growing up, you get used to being the unnormal one, you get used to all these things. And eventually you kind of don't want to live without the pain when people tell you that there's a way to be happy and a way you know, to think on the positive side, you almost don't want to because you feel weird without the, the pain. You feel weird without the depression. And you also don't want to get happy because you just feel like it's going to get taken away from you. So you just realize, like, once the pain goes away, you, you kind of need it in order to feel complete at this point, which is not good. It's sad. I'm not saying yeah. it's good by any means, but, you know, a lot of people, I feel like, can relate to it because at some point you reach your life and you're like, I felt pain for so long that happiness almost hurts more. Mm-hmm. That's some deep shit for a 21-year-old. <laughs> because I think I'm just learning that at 43. So, um, you know, but very, um, very deep stuff. The the only, like I said, I, I, I don't want to compare you to anybody because I don't think you're like a lot of artists that are out there. Um, but if I can compare you to anybody, it would be kind of like... Halsey meets Evanescence. 
Oh, I like that mix. Everybody has a different mix for me. <laughs> I heard so I somebody. I heard somebody. I heard somebody in the background say, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got some some family around today. And no, that's great. That. <laughs> great. Um, no, yeah, like like when you know, Evanescence is one of like my favorite like alt rock bands, and um, I love all the things that Halsey does. Um, and I was just like listening to your voice and I'm like trying to like say like, okay, well, I can't fit her in this box and I can't fit her in this box. But that's what I like about your music, Zen, is that I, I tend to gravitate towards new artists where they don't fit into a particular genre um, because I think the new for lack of a better word, breed of artists like yourself that are coming out are are, are taking us back to a time where um, music was across like genres. So like a lot of the, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s. So a lot of the 80s music that we all kind of listened to growing up in the 80s, it was very genre neutral. Everybody listened to the same type of music. And I think we're coming yeah. back to that kind of era uh, with like singer songwriters and all that kind of stuff. So um I, I really enjoy um, that you're not trying to put yourself into a specific box, um, which is going to lend for your sustainability in such a tough industry. Um, and, and that's a big reason why I do this and why I call it number one with a bullet, because uh, people and artists like yourself um, are really hustling to kind of get their voice out there, get their their craft out there, get their music and, and stuff out into the the mainstream, um, and it's worthy of people hearing it. So um, you know how how has the feedback been um, so far since when did you release the EP? Um. Oh gosh, I'm terrible with time, and I should know this because I should have been so excited. Um, I That's think okay. It was it took a, I think it was late September. Okay. Yeah, so, it took a minute to get everything aligned. So. Okay. So, um, so sep this September of two thousand and nineteen. Yes. Okay. So it's a fairly new release EP, um, and it's you. You want to make sure that um, you get on as many of these little podcasts as you can, um, because it's a good way to kind of just get your music out to different audiences as much people as possible for sure one person tells another tells another that's, that's all I need. that's how it works and you know i can tell you from somebody who's just starting out in podcasting that it only takes that one thing to catch a fire and it, it's it's gone you know what i mean yes. um especially when you have the talent behind you so like what is it like um you know this is your first you know, kind of studio recorded album, working in the studio, um, you know, you wrote a couple of tracks, uh, which was the, you said you wrote two of the, of the tracks on the album, right? Yes, that would okay. be Itch and Flesh and Blood. Another one of my favorites on the album. Um, I, though, uh, they're all great, but my favorites are Itch, um, Flesh and Blood, and Rise Above. Yeah, of it. So, so what is it like to kind of then sit in the studio and and really kind of put this thing together um, on like a professional level? Um, it's kind of 
a lot more than I would have expected it to be because I am super emotional and a cancer, so I cry all the time. <laughs> but when somebody asks you to sit down and cry and tell you something and explain the way you feel, it's a lot harder than you'd expect because you really, really, really want to paint a clear picture for people so that they they understand the emotions and the feelings, but still keep it big enough so people can relate to it. Cause not every story is exactly the same, but the hardest part is actually getting all, all the feelings that I thought were going to be the easiest thing to just let out. It's hard doing that in front of people that you've never met or that you just barely got to know. And also putting it in a way that, you know, you know, just the song writing process was just probably the, the hardest thing for me, the most challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely loved it. Um, even though it was hard for me to put out my my deep emotions, it was still easy for me to feel comfortable and put emotion into singing it. And um, I don't know, but it's definitely a lot more challenging than you would expect it to be, of course. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. And and that's what makes it a craft, Zen, is that um, you have to put all these components into it, not only being a great you know vocalist, but... Um, learning how the process of writing and, and collaborating with producers and all that. So who are like, who are, are you signed to anyone right now? No, I am all by myself, all alone. <laughs> so, so talk to me about that. Talk to me about, because when I hear as a music lover, the EP very professionally done um, and um, very great quality, you know, behind the whole thing. So um, is it, are you getting? Yeah, I guess so. I'm not like completely on my own because I guess I can't say that because there are some people out there who work real hard. They do everything their own. They write the beats on their own. They master it. They go record it. They do everything. I don't do that. I um, was introduced to a producer a little while back and he also did some um, mixing and mastering and um, other things like that. So I worked with him to create this EP that has just come out. But I've recently started working with um, somebody new. And I have a lot, a lot of great things in store for everybody. I'm super, super excited. Because, you know, the first, the first round I was super new, you know, like I said, the first time I had really gotten to express myself or really, you know, kind of be me. Yeah. And so um, now that I've kind of found my path, I found, you know, exactly what I want to be doing um, and inspiring people with. I'm super excited for these songs that are about to be coming out with the new people I'm working with. It's just, we all, it's just, it's, it's a great vibe. I'm just, I can't even, I'm just, I don't know where to begin. I'm so excited. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Um, you know, it, it it's, the the ex your excitement about the whole thing is what's going to be conveyed to the people who are your fans especially in the beginning um that you're connecting to um and and it's great to hear that people are kind of gravitating and working around you to to pull the best zin out um that we possibly can get as fans of your of your music um so like have you done any like performances or anything like that um with the ep um i haven't gotten to any performances yet um it was the first ep was definitely um a starter a trial and error um you know uh not bad for a trial and not bad for a starter and trial <laughs> and error 
<laughs> well, thank you. I'm so glad that you love it. You are your compliments are giving me so much more confidence. <laughs> well, well, no, because, you know, um, I reach out to people, like I said, who, like, I've kind of surfed, like, new music, and I stumbled upon you, and I'm like, why isn't she, like, doing, like, why haven't I heard her in, like, mainstream? Um, because it has such a radio appeal to it. Um, I think that... Um, it kind of falls in line with what's selling out there. And beautiful girl, great voice, great sound. I mean, the, the package is there. So um, I feel like I was like an A&R rep in another life um, because <laughs> I, <laughs> I love to find people like yourselves in who are passionate and motivated um, and, and really, you know, working the process of of developing this thing you know and like i said not it's i can't even say not bad it's 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 a really badass ep that um you know when i'm listening to it and it, it, it doesn't feel like a new artist you feel and he and sound to me as a music lover someone who's a very seasoned professional um and doing what you do so um confidence should be the least thing you you need to worry about right now um so what what tell us um what you have like in store that we can kind of i know you have some things in the work that maybe you really can't talk about right now but um what are some things that we can look forward to um you know so we can kind of get the word out there so people can start you know following you whatever you're doing well, um, I do have a lot of things in store, but the one thing that I can mention is I am going to be featuring on a song with somebody, and I, he's also a new up-and-coming artist, but I am completely obsessed with him. All of his stuff is on repeat for me. Truly, like, a real artist, like, speaks the truth. It's raw. It's, you know, it's, it's dark. It's, I love it. I'm super, super, super excited to be working with this guy. Um, that will be coming out very shortly within like hopefully the next month. Okay. Yeah. So I'll have, I'll be featuring with him and then I have, I'll be working on my own stuff. So I'll have a lot more singles coming out. Um, uh, just me. Um, but I think that's, that's about it right now. Okay, good. Um, so, so is it, is it a full length album that we're going to be getting from you? Um, I don't think so. One might maybe happen to form in the making but as of now they should i should just be releasing a few singles to to keep some um content going to keep sure. you guys grass to keep uh, yeah just letting you guys you know sharing my stories <laughs> absolutely and um so tell everybody's in how they can follow you where they can get your ep itch um so we can kind of get everybody Moving into where you're, you're, where they can hear you, where uh, and hear your best stuff. So, um, give them your social medias, um, Spotify, everything. Well, um, you can find my song. I'm pretty sure basically anywhere, <laughs> iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Run the numbers up, please. <laughs> um, and I'm. You can find me on facebook just as zin z-i-n-n is how you spell my name um and i'm most active on instagram if you want to know like you know the quicker updates where i am with everything that would be at official zin um but yeah you can find my music anywhere 
<laughs> awesome. And and what I'm going to do is when I post the episode uh, for your spotlight, I'm going to put all the links to all your socials, um, to your YouTube, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. So everybody can follow Zin. And um, Zin, I have a question for you. So yes. you're a new artist out there, um, really kind of hustling to to get your, your music out there, get your, your voice out there. What would you give advice to a new person getting into all this um, that you've kind of experienced that maybe like, you know, there were some things that you said kind of took you by surprise or were unexpected. Um, what would you give um, or, or what would you give yourself brand new into this, that girl walking into this for the first time, what would you give her advice that you know now? Oh, I think the biggest one would be um, no matter how much you have other people around you, and even though you're not the one producing the beat or, you know, actually, you know, mastering it or anything like that, you are at the beginning really completely all on your own. Like you, you are the advertisement. You are purely the advertisement. You have no help with advertisement. And I think one of the things I realized that I wasn't quite expecting was everybody says the startup's hard, but you really don't realize quite how hard it is until you actually try. And mm -hmm. you're, like, you're only grabbing like one or two people like a year, every six months. It's really like you really are on your own. The more you post, the more you do, the more excited you are about these things, they're going to go a lot better you cannot count on anybody really and you <laughs> I and, saying that but no no you're absolutely right i can i can totally 100 um pr protest to that because as a small podcast that this is it is you know a challenge and it, it can be a little disheartening when you're putting like all your your energies into it and you see the numbers slowly creeping up but you know what's in you have to keep pushing and you have to keep putting the content out there because like i said it's going to catch like wildfire and from then i won't even be able to book, book an interview with you because you're going to be so busy. You're going to be like a normalized podcast. What? You I'll know, <laughs> there, there you go. Well, I'm going to hold you to that because I'm sure at one point it's not going to be dealing with Zen. It's going to be dealing with managers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to be like, I have a link that I'm going to send you to this podcast that said <laughs> that Zen said that I can book her at least, you know, so <laughs> You know, so, so you can't say no. It's 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 memorialized in this podcast. So <laughs> it's um, that, well, if I find out that my manager still says no, then we'll have a problem. And here's more proof. <laughs> okay, well there you go. It's you said it. You said it. I'm gonna hold it to you because um, I I really again I can't say enough that I love your music um, and I really. 100 genuinely wholeheartedly believe that this is just the the tip of the iceberg for you um and you have such a great career ahead of you you're young keep pushing keep working um because if this is what we're getting in the beginning from zin 
it's just gonna be like mind blowing from from here on out. So you're gonna give me a big head. <laughs> well, you just it's well deserved, well deserved. So everybody, I want you guys to go check out Zin's EP Itch. Um, you get five tracks on the EP, all fire tracks, and uh, I'm gonna post the links to everything that you can access her music. Um in the comments of this episode so everybody this has been the unnormalized podcast with my number one with the bullet spotlight new artist zen everybody get unnormalized you know i'm a liar a on fire you take me Nothing.